You're listening to After the Encore, the music podcast that explores what happens after the music fades, what happens after the encore. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and this is Volume 1, The Stars at Night, Track 3 with Ansley. Listening to After the Encore, I am Joe Shaw, and I'm here with Ansley. Hello. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm so great. I'm so glad to be here with you. Oh, I am beyond thrilled for this episode because there are a lot of different directions I want to take this, and we're going to look at a full retrospective on your life and your career. Let's do this thing. And but one of the things I want to kind of start out with is I want to talk. I want to know specifically. What draws you to music and how do you find your individual voice? Oh, that's a good question. Well, um, I'm kind of a believer in um, the, uh, you know, the whole creativity is, is just borrowed ideas, you know? Mm. So I, I really think that a lot of my creativity comes from my influences, you know, and from uh, my upbringing and what I was listening to as a kid, you know, but truly it's sort of in my blood, you know, I have, you know, I'm a third generation singer at this point, you know, so, um, it's just been in my family and, um, you know, even before I ever considered music as a career choice, I was singing every day still, you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's just how it's been my whole life. Like it's just, it is who I am, you know, it's not even something we can separate, you know, the two. (laughs) It's one and the same. Yeah. Yeah. So talk me through your parents and your grandparent, because you talked about being a third generation. So Mm -hmm. what did that look like both growing up and then pre-Ansley? Mm-hmm. Pre-Ansley. Pre-Ansley. Okay. Pre-Ansley. So, you know, <laughs> when I was a kid, um, my dad was feeding me music, you know, and he loves blues. He loves classic rock. He loves even like really old school jazz and like mm-hmm. big band stuff. But, you know, he, when I was, when I was old enough to begin appreciating good music, you know, he started feeding me, you know, the Beatles White Album, mm-hmm. Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, you know, he loves... Uh, the Almond Brothers. So, uh, you know, lots of like classic rock type stuff right. like that, you yeah. know. Um, and so, and I loved a lots of like folk and lots of harmony sure. stuff, you know. 
as a little kid, I was listening to like Aunt Sink and Backstreet Boys. Well, of which, course. You know, of course, everybody <laughs> my age was. Yes, you know, we yes. were obsessed with it. That's and right. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like there aren't hints of that influence in my music <laughs> because I just go a little cray cray with the harmonies, you know? So I'm not going to play like that probably did not implant itself in my mind, you right, know, when right, I was 10 right, and obsessively right. listening to those CDs well, on my little purple boombox, right. you know? I want you back. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I want you back. Oh, yeah. Here we go. <laughs> All right. That's enough. <laughs> We're going to do NC Karaoke hour right. later. Okay. Right. That's after the show. Right, 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 right. So, so you've got a lot of classic rock influences from mm-hmm. your dad. You've yeah, also got he some plays guitar, yep. and uh, and you know he gave me he put a piano in my room when I was young. My my grandmommy had a piano in her house too, and there's definitely pictures of me very young sitting at the bench playing. You know, right? Um, not that I was any good or really put any effort to it <laughs> right. until a few years ago. Really, you know, yeah. I just kind of learned the songs I wanted to learn. Right. You know, and right. like had a really vague understanding of it, you know, until I decided like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to do this. Right. Um, but, uh, my grandmother has a really cool story. Um, when she was 17, she decided to run away from home because she had an abusive stepdad mm. and, uh, she, she decided she wanted to be a singer. So she auditioned for this group called the Jive and Jills. Oh, nice. Yeah, she totally made it. That is and the most badass name I think Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Jive right? and Jills. Oh, for the 20s, dude. I mean, you know, <laughs> 20s and 30s, they were killing the game, yeah. you know. Um, and uh, it's the pictures are crazy, too. They all look like clones of each other, basically. Oh, wow. It's like, yeah, it's kind of crazy the way it was <laughs> back then. Um, but they, as a group, uh, in turn, decided to audition for the USO. Okay. And they made it. And oh, so, wow. yeah, they, she ended up touring, you know, and, and visiting, you know, all these you know, soldiers and, yeah. and singing for everybody. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was the closest thing to really going on tour as you could do yeah. at the time, you know, but, right. uh, <laughs> we have these really cool, um, I guess like heirloom type things from her where, uh, she'll, she, she saved like all the dinner cards from the trains every oh, night. Wow. Yeah. So you can see everything <laughs> they were offering for dinner and all the prices, you know, it's like, five cents, 10 cents, her thing, you know, it's, it's wild <laughs> to look at. Um, and so, but she saved every single night. So she has a dinner card from every single night she was on tour. That's like a really cool memento. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Like, especially as a musician and a foodie, like, you know, <laughs> yes, my two loves coming together. Yes. Um, but yeah, she's saying her whole life, you know, um, all different kinds of genres, but mostly jazz, you know, she probably is the reason my dad played music even mm. though he you know was doing really different music from her sure you know and when, when he was a kid so um yeah that's sort of the family history i guess right, there yeah. you know nobody else really in the family uh well some of some of my dad's uh like cousins and brothers and sisters are um musically are like t- you know t- talented in the arts sure they do like acting and musical theater okay, stuff sure. you know yeah um but yeah so it's just sort of been in my family and in me for a long time. You know? So when you talk about, you know, music and you being kind of one and the same, it really has been interwoven yeah. to your DNA Yes. from beyond birth. Like yeah. Just it's, yeah. It's already been written. Mm-hmm. So what was, 
what was that like when you're getting older? And I assume you're being told this about, you know, well, your dad, obviously you have that direct connection. You're also mm-hmm. learning this about your grandmother and, and grandmother, grandma. Yeah. Gra- yeah. Grand, grandmommy, whatever. Yeah. What? Whatever. It doesn't <laughs> matter. Yeah. No. Grandma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so what was that like? Was, ha- was it always a situation where you were like, this is my career. I'm just going to figure out the way to make it. Or was it, you know, a sense of finding yourself to become the singer, performer, artist? Well, I think I have to go back and look at sort of the trajectory. So in high school is when I started forming bands. Um, My first band ever I was in was called the Mind Twins. And it was just a two-piece little folk duo, me and my my best friend, Sam Villavert, who's now the bass player of Sea Lion in Dallas. Nice. Um, Yeah, she's super awesome. Um, but she and I would just, you know, write write little folk songs, really, and, uh, you know, little singer-songwriter poppy yeah. tunes. Um, but um, I moved to Austin for a semester, and, we, you know, we, we weren't able to really write, so the band kind of ended there. But And this uh, is in high school? Yeah, this is after right after high school. Oh, yeah, my okay. first semester of gotcha. college, yeah. <clears throat> and um, I ended up, like, you know, I was trying to figure out what I was wanting to do while I was in Austin, sure. basically. Yeah. And I was like going to school for advertising because I had done photography and I, you know, I, but nothing was really making me as happy as like playing music was. Sure. And so at, up to this point, I hadn't really even considered music as a career or even right. like something that could earn me money. It was just, I just enjoyed performing. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but slowly over time, you know, formed formed Panic Volcanic and we started gigging and it was like, cool, what if we go on tour? We could like do this, you know, and it's right. like, oh, OK, like that was sort of the moment where it could become a possibility, right. you know. Um, but even while Panic Volcanic was a band, I really only experienced the band aspect of things sure. instead of like the songwriting aspect mm-hmm. of the music industry, mm-hmm. which is kind of the chapter I'm in now, right. you know, right. um, where a career in music doesn't necessarily just mean being the front woman of a band right. and like quote unquote making it, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. you can also write songs for other people. You can sing in the studio, you know what I mean? There, and yeah. There's there, other aspects. There's, right. Right. There's yeah. other ways to be successful in music other than just fronting a band, right. you know, yep. or, you know, singing your own songs. Right. So I didn't really have that kind of uh, grasp or that kind of, uh, you know, I didn't understand that when I was in panic as much right. as I kind of get that now as a person just, you know, on their own trying to <laughs> right, face, yeah. the, face the music industry by myself, <laughs> right, you know, right. there's a little more like, okay, now I ha- I've got to like make this work, you know? So when I decided to go solo was I, I would say when I really decided, okay, I'm going to take a shot at this. Like I'm going to, you know, try to make my income mm-hmm. by music solely, you know? And I basically had made myself a plan that I was going to teach music and gig and, that was it. I was going to only do music like right. for my income. And eventually I was able to step away from School of Rock and do a little bit of freelance teaching and um, mostly gigging at that point, mm-hmm. though. Just only playing music to earn money, you know? Yeah. And so that was really when music shifted f- just from what I was doing creatively and, you know, all of that to my job, my career. Sure. You know, yeah. You know, and I... I really think it's it's interesting too because you see, especially in music, right? You see so many different performers have their own unique individual journeys. And I think getting to know how 
woven into your DNA music was. Mm -hmm. And it still kind of like took a roundabout way to get Yeah, it took me forever to realize that that was like what I was supposed to be (laughs) doing. Yeah, it took me forever really to realize it. Like, (laughs) you know, there's so many kids. And, you know, I was still singing, you know, the whole time though, like I said, like every day, you know, I was like singing, singing, singing all the time. But um, maybe it was such a part of my normal life that I hadn't even really thought of it as, oh, hey, you can do this as like your job, you know? (laughs) Right, right, yeah. So, you know, I was in like the choir and... Uh, you know, competing even and things like that for, for voice. But it, yeah, like it's, it's weird that it didn't even cross my mind as a career yeah. option, like right. in my high school time. But yeah, I, I hadn't even, <laughs> hadn't even thought about it. Right. It's sort of crazy. So did you do like show choir or competitive singing, going to like state or anything like a structured yeah, competition? Yep. Yeah. Okay. We went to UIL and state and stuff and okay. I did solo and ensemble singing as okay. well. And we also would like travel out of state and do uh, like, uh, Disney World right, singing well, competitions course, and stuff like that. I didn't do the show choir, um, but I did do like the, the varsity big, sure. big choir. You know, where if I may ask, where did you go to high school? Again? I went to Euless Trinity High School. Oh, nice, go yes, Trojans! That's right. Tease up, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I I played hockey for Trinity, so mm. there we go. So yeah, there's that connection, but. Uh, I, that was a fascinating fact for the listeners who yes. have zero idea what we're talking about. But I just wanted to get a sense of your community and the, uh, you know, the the setting in which you were in, yeah. um, because I know that that can kind of uh, influence a mm-hmm. lot. But but so you're doing singing and you're competing, and again, I think you hit on something where it's so it's so baked into your life that you don't see it as a career path mm-hmm. in the way that others are. Yeah. You're seeing it more as like, <clears throat> oh, this is a way of life. This yeah, is just, this is a thing I do, you know, right. and it's just, and now that, I'm, you know? I'm good at it. <laughs> so I will sing for competition as, as a thing to do in school, as a thing to have on my, you know, my resume, mm-hmm. my application for college, whatever yeah. the case may yeah. be. But never once did you go, oh, and yes, I'm going to go on the road and I'm going to be yeah, no, the next, you know, mind, you world-class know. singer and yeah. performer and, you know, all yeah. this stuff. And it's like, no. No, I hadn't even really thought about it. Well, I didn't even know about all the options that there are within the music industry. Right. You know, it's kind of like at that point, you know, I'm seeing my favorite indie bands that are, you know, traveling and making it and stuff like that. But like I said, I just, uh, I don't know. I it, uh, I was more into photography, honestly, in that time. Sure. Um, and I, you know, I was paying a lot of focus to that. So that, that's kind of what led me to think that I was going to be doing advertising or something like that. Sure, sure, sure. Um, sure. but uh, yeah, I just didn't really think about, uh, think that I would end up in the performance field, you know, right. be in the arts, I guess when I was, when I was younger, but, um, yeah, it, it didn't take me long to figure out that, like, not singing all the time was a problem. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, So it was pretty easy to realize, like, oh, yeah, there's a reason you do this every day. It's because you love to do this. This is, like, what you what you do, you know? Right. So, yeah, it just took me a long time to realize it just because, yeah, it was, it was ingrained in me, you know, and, and, and like, and such I, a, yeah. everyday thing. You and know? I think it's true, too, because, I mean, now in 2019 – 
I think there's a lot more education around various aspects of all of the arts, right? Mm -hmm. You're seeing a lot more exposure to your point of someone who's songwriting, someone who's maybe a session musician, mm -hmm. you know, there's uh, or an engineer. There's a lot of a, a lot more focus on the business as a whole, and yeah. whether that's music specifically or theater or writing or I mean, there's a lot of other aspects, right, yeah. to where you're able to see lots of people make long have long careers mm -hmm. doing various things that are not just out in front being the main yeah. solo 1% artist, you know, right. like, or whatever, that's a I know what you mean. Know I know exactly what you mean. Though. Right. Yeah. And but I think, you know, when when you're growing up, and you're you're learning this, of course, you're not thinking about it, because it's kind of presented in a way. And I think this kind of goes back to when your grandma was in the USO and, mm -hmm. and, and doing or performing for the USO and, and, and doing all of these things where it's like, well, no, there's only, there's only one role. You're either a performer or you're a patron, right? Mm -hmm. It's one or the other. It's yeah. not, it's not, you know, something in between. And so I think what we're trying to do as we get older is, is able to say, and I think the point I'm getting at is I think there's a quest for everybody to feel that they're adding value to the world mm -hmm. and the work that they're doing. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people for so long struggled with, well, I feel like I could add value in the music industry, but I'm not, a, I don't want to be a performer or I don't want to go on tour, but I have these talents and, mm -hmm. and I'm not sure how to use them. Yeah. And so we're, either creating jobs or finding the jobs that already exist. And then we're spotlighting it for others to say, look, there are all of these other avenues in which to be adding value and feeling fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And I think that to me, and it might just be because I'm now noticing it, but to me, it seems that that is crucial to the next generation of people that come up through the arts specifically. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Um, I just think, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, have you said it all? I, I, no, I was just—I was like thinking through this. I'm like, I, I'm gonna—I'm gonna work through this thought because I—it feels—it feels like there's a lot there, and I, I think there's so many avenues, yeah. you know, and even like avenues that we don't even think about, like people who are in charge of sync licensing, right? For say, you know, yes. people who you know, like uh, playlisters now, and all kinds of people who work for like Spotify and right. type, you know, um, not to mention stuff like pressing plants and working mm -hmm. you know like in vinyl now right, you can right. do that you know right exactly um so there's a, you know it, it wasn't clearly apparent to me how many avenues there can be within music sure you know so much as it was just like either be a pop star or not you know right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that yeah. makes sense yeah no absolutely especially as a kiddo you know what i mean like singing into a hairbrush type of thing right. you know what i mean yeah. it's either like you're a star or you do a normal job you know that's kind of the right. the big the big polar distinction you make in your mind as a kid right you know so and, and that then, sticks with us i think you know? yeah and then you have in what was it 2000 or 2001 american idol comes out and it's like mm -hmm. not only is there are we being presented with this idea of you're either a performer or not but now it's like oh and you can have a fast track way to be a performer too yes and mm -hmm. it's like oh you're it almost felt like instead of highlighting all of the various avenues which we're doing now we were narrowing the scope and saying yeah, yeah you really only can be a mm -hmm. performer and uh but you can fast track it but if you do you have to go through all of this audition process yeah. and yeah. put yourself on display and yep. we're not all kelly clarkson right Some and of you know i think that i think that this notion that going on singing shows is a way of selling out is kind of dissipating these days yeah. you know because i think that really a lot of people kind of felt that way about yeah. about you know what well, was to... the first thing that had ever really been like that mm -hmm. and right reality tv was 
you know, pretty much brand new with yeah. across the board. Yeah. yeah. Not to but interrupt now, you, you know, a, a bajillion seasons deep into the voice and mm-hmm. things like this, you know, now it's a legitimate way for artists to get in front of people, you know, because yeah. they've done it because so many people have, have had a, at least a little extra success by going to do that kind of thing. Right. You know, I now have three or four friends who have gone on, you know, singing shows and done really well for themselves, you know, and that little extra nugget of success kind of took them somewhere new, you know? Exactly. So it's like, maybe we're not all Kelly Clarkson and not going to like explode. You know what I mean? Right. But it's kind of the same, the same deal. Like, uh, you know, kind of for it to be sort of normalized, you know, like, and just, it's a normal part of music promotion now that you might go do that. You right. know what I mean? Yes. Um, versus people used to look at it and be like, oh, that's just selling out, you right. know, or whatever. And a lot of people would would have been, I think Kelly was a, a unicorn in that she quickly kind of shook that tag of like a reality star, right? Mm-hmm. And and then people... You know, well, her songs were actually amazing, oh you know what God. I mean? So that helps, you know? Yes. She didn't just go on the show and kick butt. She also came out of it and wrote an awesome record, yes. you know? And she had several hits off of it, you yes. know? So not a whole oh lot of American Idol winners can say that these days, sure. you know what I mean? We've yeah. got, a, you know, a couple by Carrie Underwood and a couple here and there, but, yeah, you know... But, like, you were, but you were correct. And I think... I think also when we're thinking about, and I I love the way this conversation is going because this is fascinating to me, is I I think that what you are also seeing in 2019 and in the recent years and where it's going is that there are a lot of artists who are doing this type of promotion or getting this type of promotion without being on a singing show, but you know, you've getting, you know, Justin Bieber's getting discovered on Mm -hmm. YouTube, you know, and then you've got, you know, people getting on Instagram and our influencers and then Mm -hmm. our musicians as a result of that. And so it's the same idea while it's not, yeah, this girl I know, this girl I know, Kayla Sinclair, she's a keyboard player out of Denton. Uh, she made like a little cover one day. Uh, it was like one of those acapella type things where mm-hmm. she recorded a bunch of videos of herself singing on top of the videos of herself. Right. And uh, somehow the, the band found her through that video and they, you know, invited her to audition and she made, you know, she made it. And so she went and got to be on tour with M83 just because of like a little video that right. she put on the internet, you right. know, and it's like, Oh my gosh, like, right. you know, to think that it could be that that simple or that quick, you know, right. like for anybody, you know, it's like pretty crazy. The right eyes just got to see it, you know what I mean? And you also have to have, I think, this this transcendent talent that kind of shines through. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people can have instant success and then fade out. Mm-hmm. But to your point about Kelly Clarkson, and I think uh, the longevity of a lot of artists is the ability to have that it factor. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people may not have it right off the bat. Yeah, but, you but that likability. Right. And I think the ability to then, what she got, she already had the songwriting ability, but she was able to get some instant success and exposure, which gave her the avenue mm-hmm. in which to write a kick-ass record. Yeah. And then she took it from there. And a lot of people can go up and down and then that's it. And you don't remember, you know, the season three runner up or whatever, mm-hmm. of whatever show, you know. Right, yeah. But, uh, but you do remember uh, Kelly. And so... It's all of this to say, you know, I think when you're coming up and you're learning more about music, it's at a point where people are starting to shine a spotlight on these kind of different paths to success, but it's still kind of defined as a one and done. And so I think when, when you're coming up and you're doing photography and advertising and music is just like a part of like your personality and Mm -hmm. your upbringing, but not a career path. 
maybe the wheels are starting to turn with like, oh, maybe maybe there is a little bit more to this thing that I've mm-hmm. been doing my whole life. Yeah, and I mean, even when I first started playing music and writing songs and being in bands and things, it you know, I was in Panic Volcanic, the longest out of any of these, obviously. Mm-hmm. And that that in that time I spent I spent that time cultivating my identity as the destroyer. You know what I mean? Yes. And writing songs within that sort of mindset, that sort of framework. Um, but it's all, you know, that's a, that's a stage persona. You know right. what I mean? It's right. not necessarily who I am on the inside, if right. that makes sense. Yes. So there was a point for me in which I was kind of like, okay, well, I think that I have enough of my own voice now that I need to start writing Ansley songs, you know, not right. necessarily panic songs or, you know, this person's songs or whatever, but like right. my songs, my story, you know what I mean? I do. Um, but it, it took me a long time to sort of build up the confidence in my own solo voice to, to do that. You know, um, it was, it was a few years before I was really like, okay, yeah. Okay. Maybe yeah. this is my thing, you know, like, yeah. cause I had been singing in groups really my whole life right. up to that point, really for the most part, I had done some, some solo contest singing and stuff but only really what was like required of me at that point i was mostly doing ensemble work you know um but yeah so i guess it just took me a while to have the confidence really to like you know define my own aesthetic style you know Mm -hmm. what i that's the that's the hardest part for me right now even i would say is like defining what the Ansley sound looks like, sure. you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. watch the yeah. photos be like, uh, you know, it's like, okay, I'm kind of bad at this part, which is funny <laughs> with my background in photography. You'd think I'd have lots of ideas, but it's like, I have lots of ideas for the music, but like, then it's like, okay, what should the video look like? Or what should the photos look like? And I'm like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so I don't know. Um, there's always a new, a new, layer to the onion that's unfolding i guess you know what i mean yeah so yeah i discovered all these are you know career opportunities that live within the music industry but i'm also still continuously working on defining what my voice is you know both sonically and visually if that makes sense After the encore, I'm Joe Sean. I'm here with Ansley, and we are discovering or trying to discover what your Ansley visual sound is. Yeah, right. Yes. I, I think that was a kind of a longer way to say you were talking about how you're trying to find what style represents you from a visual perspective. Yeah, we've had a lot of fun. You know, um, 
with the, with Panic Volcanic, it was like my entire wardrobe was black and skinny yes. jeans and my chucks, you know, and my like, I had cool black boots, you know, but I was basically modeling my, my look after, you know, Alison Mosshart, you know, right. and that was it. <laughs> um, and whenever I started doing solo stuff, it was like, okay, this obviously has a new, has a different feel altogether. Right, right. It can't look the same as the Panic stuff. So we started introducing some color into my wardrobe. And yeah, see, so you've got the photo there, like, you know, like, you know, black lace, you know, black lipstick, like, you know, very dark stuff, you know, Um, but that doesn't fit the Ansley stuff. I mean, we're talking about songs with like ukulele in them, you know, and that just doesn't quite go together, you know? So yeah, I started, um, you know, contacting my friends who I knew had amazing closets, basically. Yeah. And... Um, my friend Vanessa Ocampo let me come over and pick out a couple things and start just kind of playing dress up. Sounds mm-hmm. sort of silly, you no, know, no, but I get it. But, uh, so, you know, that led to me kind of at least starting to chip away at defining my personal style right. as far as what I'm wearing goes, you know? So we've been able to tackle that element at least because I've kind of figured out what I really love, you know, right. and I love big, bold, colorful patterns, you know, usually button up shirts. Yeah. Um, I like leggings, but I also like cool high waist vintage pants, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and so we've got some cool things now that aren't just like all black all the time. Right, right, right. <laughs> so I would say that, you know, defining my personal style, it was sort of the first step in us trying to figure out, okay, what do, what is this sound going to look like for sure. for everybody right you know um so using using my personal style as a way to sort of set the backdrop for what kind of photo shoots we do what kind of videos we do that's kind of been the anchor for us right. you know um because i you know it's hard it's hard for me to come up with creative ideas without feeling like okay this is something i've already seen before sure yeah or something that i can actually feasibly attain you know within the, the right. budget and right. the resources i <laughs> yeah. have yeah you know it's like I, I i could have crazy ideas but it's like if they can't come to fruition it's just a waste of right time to right. try to think about it so that's why you know trying to write sort of storylines to go in the music videos kind mm-hmm. of like uh in lucky smoke how you know we try to track it as sort of like the worst day ever right you know but then you're kind of saved by somebody who's had an even worse day than you oh. you know at the very end so you know great. and it's like you connect over that <laughs> right and, you know you share your lucky smoke yeah so um <laughs> you know it's kind of that whole feeling of like solidarity, I guess, you know, (laughs) I like it. Let's, let's go back just a little bit because I do want to talk about your solo album as well. But before we get there, I want to talk about Panic Volcanic. Okay. Let's talk about Panic. So that was the, this was actually the first time I was introduced to you was, uh, back in the, there was a, uh, were you at the moon? Were you at that party? The twenties party? Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. I was there. Okay. So you were there the night that I met everybody in the crew too. Oh, so I I thought you had already been established. No, dude, that twenties party, dude, no. Okay, so we, I got to take my shoes off for this. We, yeah, so we went to the, we, uh, Panic, we were just starting to get our foothold in Fort Worth, and we really didn't even have one yet. We were just beginning to find places to play. Right. And we had played at the cellar, you know, over the TCU area. Yeah, RIP. It's now (laughs) raised to the ground, poor place. Um, But uh, we, we landed a gig at the Moon, which was this really cool place across the street from there. Yes. And... You know, a bunch of my friends played there. Or a bunch, really, these weren't even my friends yet. These were people I looked up to in the scene who I hadn't even met yet. Sure, you know? yeah. 
And we got put on this bill with this weird bands called the Frisky Disco yes. and the yes. Breakfast Machine yes. and Panic Volcanic. Woo. And we are like, okay, we've never met these kids, right. you know? And we're yeah. like, they got weird band names, but so do we. So right. let's do this thing, I guess. <laughs> it's a match made in heaven. <laughs> yeah, so I made like an awesome flyer for us. I think I still got it on my phone like to this day. Uh, <laughs> And we got there, and I think that Panic played the first set. Yes. And um, I remember, basically, we immediately, we walked in, and there's only you guys dressed up in your 20s mm-hmm. wear. Yep. And we don't know anybody, so we're like, these guys are either, like, super hipsters <laughs> or some going on here, well, you I, know? Well, I think a few of them were. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Not me. Not me. <laughs> but it was like, everybody was very dapper. Like, uh, yes. I specifically remember how Topher looked that night. Oh. Um, but, yeah, and so we get up there to play. And um, we covered Cut Like a Buffalo. Yes, yes, by, yes. yes um, by the Dead Weather, yes. who we were obsessed with, mm-hmm, hashtag mm-hmm. obsessed with <laughs> in those days. And um, Hayden and Tyler freaked out because they right. loved that band too. And Hayden and Tyler, for those not knowing, were in the Frisky Disco. Yes, those were, yes. yes. And at that point in time, they were the only two members of the Frisky Disco. Right. And Hayden Miller was playing the drums and singing at the same time. Yes. Very Jesse from Full House. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, and Tyler was playing yeah. guitar. Tyler yes. was playing lead. They were yes. two-piece. Right. Um, and they flipped out when we played that cover. You know, they came up and they were like singing all the words with us. And so we were like, oh my God. We, right. It was like this moment we just instantly became friends. You Did know, we, we just become best friends? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Like we totally bonded over that cover. Like, right. Yeah. instantaneously yeah. you know as soon as we heard playing it and so they get up and they play some cool covers too and we're like oh my god yep. Yep. these are all of our influences or the same influences as theirs you right. know and uh they have like just gotten a write-up in the weekly i think yes. at that the point so they're kind yep. of like hot shit to us can i say that right sorry. yeah yes okay sorry oh, fuck. <laughs> fuck yes <laughs> <laughs> okay they you know and so they're starting to achieve some of their little baby musician goals you know at that right. time and uh, we became like instant friends. Yep. And y'all were going back to Halifax that night yes. to go celebrate somebody's Halifax. birthday, I think, or something. There, was it somebody's it birthday? Was, it might have been. There was always either a birthday or a reason yeah. to celebrate at Halifax. Yes, always. And I ended up actually living there for a short stint for about oh, a I, month. I didn't realize you were. I mean, mm-hmm. that, there was like a rotating cast of people that yeah, lived there. So. Yeah. Um, I had a real big crush at the time on Chris Mansfield. Oh. And so uh, Taylor Bell. Yeah. Taylor bell he had just moved out of the house uh like for a little summer thing yes and so i i grabbed his room for just a month or two mm-hmm. um trying to figure out where i was going to live because i was tired of living with my mom and dad fair, fair. um and so yeah i was just no, like no I'm offense just to them out, if they're listening you know? just, yeah yeah and so um yeah, I spent some time over at that house, but we, uh, yeah, that night though, we, we totally went over there and they were like, y'all want to come party yeah, with us? Yeah. We're going to go over there and we're like, heck yeah, you know? And I think that was my first night at Halifax too, because I thought you and the rest of the crew had already known everybody and also yeah, had no. already been there before. And I was feeling like, oh, this oh I'm is the a, new guy. Yeah. You know? No, we were both new guys. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was like, we like, boom, instant friends, you yep. know, and particularly panic and uh the frisky disco were just like inseparable i mean right. i can't even tell you how many bills we played together like yeah. 
so many shows we played together and you know i ended up like living at living at El, uh, eldridge for a little while okay. to their house the okay. frisky disco yeah, yeah, yeah. house you right, know right. we called it eldridge um i ended up crashing on their couch for the first you know the first couple of weeks i was living in fort worth trying to find somewhere yeah and um so yeah we were really tight with them you know um just playing we played a ton of shows together it was yeah. ridiculous <laughs> it's like partied a lot together right. every night playing yes. king's cup at that stupid yes. dinner table yeah. you know <laughs> It's yes. like there's duct tape over the drain right. the sink. It's like the worst bachelor pad ever. I remember one night Hayden one night Hayden and I were in there and I was like disgusted by the amount of dishes that were in there. But it was too much to even tackle in the right. regular sink. So I piled them all up in a like Rubbermaid thing and bring them outside and start hosing them off. Right. You know, and we're like, okay, we got to let these soak right. before we walk. Okay. Well, we didn't even touch them again after we decided <laughs> to let them soak. So we go back to it like three days later and it's like molded like all over. We're like, we just need to throw these dishes away. <laughs> we just need to be done. With start this. over. Oh my gosh. It was, it was a time. It was a time, dude. Oh man. So many memories in that house. But crazy. It was crazy. So for, uh, so my sister-in-law, Megan was the, uh, front singer for uh, breakfast machine. That's right. And so that's how I met the crew and everybody. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, there were so many times where, like you said, you, Panic Volcanic and Frisky Disco played a lot of shows together. Mm -hmm. And Breakfast Machine would come in and out of Bills, depending. Yeah. Um, I think y'all played a lot more shows in Fort Worth. Yeah. And Breakfast was back and forth between Dallas and Fort Worth for a yeah, while. Yeah, especially especially like the last about year yeah. of the Breakfast Machine being, you know, in existence right. as, a, as a performing group. Right. Yeah. Um, we Of course, we played a ton of shows with B Machine, too. Just right. uh, And I know only because I have all those songs memorized. Right. You know what I mean? Like... They're also they're all so good, oh, dude. It was good. Mayoween oh, and yes. like oh, they're all great. I need to go back and listen to them on the I way know. home now. Right. <laughs> uh, hopefully they're still on the internet somewhere. Well, I know that the last and this is not a Breakfast Machine show, but I'm just we're going down memory lane. Yeah. But their last album, Electric 2033, is still on Spotify. So okay. So what about one. the one before that? Though? Uh, well, I forget the name of that. I don't. I think it's still on like Bandcamp or SoundCloud. Okay. Oh, or it's got to be on Bandcamp. I think it's, it's on, Bandcamp. on Bandcamp. Yeah. Um, it's gotta I. Be. It's definitely not on Spotify. I know that much, but I'm pretty sure it's on Bandcamp. Yeah. And, oh, what was that? I, well, I cannot remember the name of that record, but you know what I'm talking about. I know about. exactly what you're talking With about. With all the like, um, it's the, all the it's all the classic hits, yeah. all the classic that, Breakfast Machine hits, man. And they they used to have the morph suits for yes. every performance. Uh, Brandon Reynolds would don that yes. thing pretty regularly. And Brendan yes. was one, and Zach yes. was one, and oh, I think boys. Topher was one a few times. Yes, yep. those silly boys. Yep. Oh man. <laughs> But days. but speaking of Panic Volcanic though, so now let's let's get back into yeah. your band. That was a, a nice uh, memory for us. Um, but I want to talk about specifically the the last album. So there's a there's a piece I pulled from the Fort Worth Weekly back in August of 2017 mm -hmm. about the album Speak Your Evil. Yes. So I want to talk a lot about that because one of the quotes that you had in here that I that really stuck out to me is the fact that you talked about. Uh, well, hold on. I've got it right here. It's on the last page, of course. You were watching a lot of your friends struggle with addiction, alcohol abuse. You noticed that they were claiming it as part of their personalities, as if it was something they couldn't change. Mm -hmm. uh, but you didn't feel good about it because you didn't want to see your friends ruin themselves. Speak your evil, claim your demons. That's kind of like the mantra of the album, yeah. right? Yeah. So talk to me a, a little bit about where the 
uh, you talked a little bit in that quote about the genesis for the record, but really talk to me about kind of the personal connections you were making between the songs you were writing, the connections you saw in your friends, and really kind of why why you were so inspired and passionate about bringing that to life. Well, um, mostly because it scares the crap out of me to like watch my besties and like my some of my closest peeps like come come that close to you know hurting themselves you know right. what i mean yeah um and it's kind of the thing where you know you get worried to the point where you're wondering you know when you're going to get that phone call about one of your buddies you know what i mean yeah. so <clears throat> there was that you know was just kind of what i was well i, I would say i'm still going through that and you know yeah. if you listen to uh, the, if you listen to rituals, there's a lot, you know, a lot of those rituals I'm talking about on there are drugs and alcohol, you right, know what I mean? Right. And kind of watching that battle from the outside. Cause you yeah. know, you know, I had, I had a phase where, you know, I might've been drinking more than I should, but it didn't last very long. You know right. what I mean? It was mm-hmm. like crappy breakup style. Sure, you know what right. I mean? And then <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. done with it. Right. But you know, it's unfortunately, nearly all of my closest friends like have had some, you know, kind of battle with that, you know, ongoing. And so, yeah, speak your evil, just being kind of like upset with people being like, well, I'm just a drunk. That's what I am. You know, like, you know, or whatever, you know, it's almost like, um, and I want to be careful how I say this because I think we've all been there in various phases, but I think it's, it's very easy to claim it as an identity flaw mm-hmm. or trait yeah, as opposed to saying this is something I'm trying to work through yeah, and I need to come out the other side. Right. It's hard to work through something like that. It's a lot easier to just say, uh, this is who I am. Yeah. Just move yep. on. And, yep. And, and so it's hard. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. There's lots of songs on speak your evil. Um, the the last song is is one of those examples where you know it's just kind of looking at what what drugs and alcohol are really doing for you in the long run right. if you're doing them at nightly you know it's like you can't really cr- claim that they're doing something for your creativity or any real right. productive reason at that point you're just getting loaded and spending too much money you know what i mean yeah, like yeah. so i don't know it's just for me like kind of trying to process what it's like to have to watch people you know, take these actions and and make their choices and kind of having to sit on the outside and, and watch it, you know? And I like, I, what I really enjoyed about the album is it felt very much to me like it was a full manifestation of going through this, say it's drugs, right? So Mm -hmm. being introduced to it, being exposed in, into the ritual of it, Mm -hmm. being all in Mm -hmm. and then, clawing your way out of it yeah yeah and it was a full process and every time and like listening to it through the lens of your quote it really it spoke to me on a deep level Mm -hmm. of you know i've been there in my in my own way and i've had to come out through the other side clawing screaming Mm -hmm. kicking but i did it yeah and and you know i i i heard this quote once and it's really stuck with me where it said don't get over something, work through something. Because mm-hmm. when you get over it, you're dismissing it and you're you're choosing to ignore it. Right. And you're not learning. When yeah. you work through something, you're picking it apart, you're clawing through it, you're getting into the nitty gritty. And then you're coming out the other side with those scars and with that, you know, kind of knowledge baked in mm-hmm. in order to speak your evil. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're yeah. speaking it, you're laying claim to it and you're 
coming out the other side. Exactly. Yeah. You know, a better person as a result of it. Yeah. And it, yeah, it it was, yeah. Kind of like, you know, asking people to have, give themselves a wake up call a little bit, you know, and say, Hey, like, you know, come to terms with this, you know, with, with what you're doing and don't just say, Oh, it's cause it's who I am. But like, look at the choices you're making, you know what I mean? And, and, be honest with yourself about, you know, what it is. So, um, yeah, I almost want to pull up a list of those songs because I'm trying to think of, like, more specific examples of, like, um, kind of lyrically where I was heading or what I was talking about. While you're doing that, I do want to talk about the fact that you had uh, some spoken words on the record from Mm -hmm. an individual that was not in the band. Can you speak a little bit to that? So there's a couple people actually that have little speaking moments. There's, Mm -hmm. um, there's some little words by our, uh, our little friend Yoli. (laughs) Um, and, uh, this story is crazy. Basically the guy who was producing the record, um, he, he had these old recordings of this kind of crazy lady, Mm -hmm. um, who had come in and along with this creepy piano track (laughs) told her like, her story about finding Jesus basically. Um, and so she just came in like one day, just, I want to do this. Yeah. She came in one day and just, there's a piano going and she's just talking about what happened to her. Yes. She's telling her story, you know, Mm -hmm. she's speaking her evil. You know what I mean? (laughs) And so she talks all about how she got involved in like black magic and witchcraft. And, you know, we love those kinds of themes and right. yeah, yeah. inherently, <laughs> right. you know, um, we embrace the, the evil aspect and the darkness right. in that group. Um, and so we really liked kind of picking and choosing her little, her little things, you mm-hmm. know, like, is it, am I going to end up in hell? Like, right. you know, like right. sort of her like crazy little wormy brain going right. through all these like really major existential questions yeah. and also like this dark witchcrafty stuff. Right. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah. Like, let's see. So I'm looking at these songs yeah. now and I'm just thinking about, uh, you know, Dan broke is, is all about, uh, putting on a face yeah. and hiding from people, you know, when you're not confronting the truth about your habits. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> there's lots of lines in that one about the kind of allude to drugs and, and kind of take, taking a different way out, you know? Right. Um, let's see. Uh, no bone is one. It's mm. about drinking too much mm-hmm. specifically. Um, and, uh, kind of what it's like to have to, uh, I don't know. I I had a friend tell me one time that she couldn't remember the last time that she made a friend or had sex that she wasn't hammered. Mm. And I was like, Oh, yikes. You yeah, know? And I was like yeah. hearing that. I was like, Oh, okay. And I, you know, ended up, you know, basically writing a song kind of around that concept. You yeah. know, it's like, man. So, um, and then Atonia of course is, is directly about, uh, you know, using drugs and alcohol and just feeling like you're wasting away without any, right? You know, way to come back from it. Um, yeah. So a lot, a lot of these songs are, you know, directly about <laughs> about about that sort of theme. You know, and it's it's so prevalent. I think you're seeing it a lot more nowadays because there is a push for people to speak their evil, to share their stories, mm-hmm. and you know, seek help and. understand that they're not alone and mental health is something that 
we need to exercise in the same way we're exercising our physical health and, yeah. you know, in, in whatever way that is manifested best for everybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think the more we put content like this out where you're putting art out and you're putting music out and you're reaching out and people are writing about it, the more you're going to have people be able to start opening up about their individual experiences, like you said, with your friend mm-hmm. and, and then we can start to kind of work through these yeah. different issues or societal problems mm-hmm. and individual problems we have as a result of that. Yeah. 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 I mean, music has always been a way for us to kind of talk about our demons without having to talk about our demons, right. you yeah. know, yeah. Yeah. a way for us to really uh, express ourselves and say what we need to say, you right. know, without having to talk to somebody about it right. necessarily. Right. It's weird because, you know, there's this like kind of vulnerability, um, you know, teeter totter thing that happens in music where you're either writing songs about other people, you know, or other people's experiences, you know, kind of being creative in mm. that way, or you're writing about what you've gone through and it's like super vulnerable and really right. deep, you know, and it's like, so in one way, you're really sharing a whole lot and bearing your soul to people, but if you're able to do that and then just like shut yourself off and not talk about your mental health and in, in your real life, you know, outside of performing, then right. it's like, it's the opposite. You know, right. you don't really get the vulnerability at all. You just get exactly what they want you to hear, you right. know? So it's, uh, the vulnerability factor of, of writing from personal experiences is a really interesting, um, thing I, to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I feel like really that vulnerability and tapping into that is really what helps us connect with other listeners. You know, we have to be willing to kind of bear that part of us in order right. to re- be able to reach out and say, Hey, I've been through this too, you know, like, yeah. you know, so yeah. Um, yeah. Panic was, you know, and really we weren't even really thinking about that as the intention of panic. We just wanted to like kick ass, you know, sure, and just yeah. be awesome. Yeah. But, Check. You know, inherently, <laughs> yeah, the, you know, the things I'm going through in my life are going to pop up in the songs, you know, right. it's just how it is, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what, why, what ended up, and I know we'll probably touch on this a little bit more in the next segment, but, bef- but as we kind of lead into that, what caused, so the dissolution, uh, the split of Panic Volcanic is you've got this album in 2017 mm-hmm. and then you've got Rituals coming out in 2018. Yeah. That's just one year. Yeah, it's just one year. So, um, so. Panic had worked on these songs and finally completed them. Um, and we, you know, I, we kind of took like a, I guess the scenic route in order to get there to that record. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it was the same way with the first record too. We recorded the first record three times before it was like finally done. Right. Um, that was a whole bunch of mess from back in the day. But with this one, I guess, um, no, it's okay. I was just saying, why did, why did panic? Oh, why we, why, so, well, yeah. Cole decided to move to New Orleans and, um, Cole was your the drummer. Drummer. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. And before that though, even it was like, we released the record and we kind of had some plans of trying to push it, but we don't, we, the three of us didn't really have the resources to be able to put a full court press on a record at that mm-hmm, time mm-hmm. we just didn't know enough you know sure yeah we were like we want to shop this out to labels but we had no concept of what kind what of that work that was like. going to be sure. yeah mm-hmm. so um you know zach was playing in other bands cole was playing in other bands i started writing my own music um and 
you know, gigging a -hmm. lot myself, which is sort of what kicked off my solo stuff. Um, Because I was playing cover shows and just sort of gigging before I was really writing very much. Sure. Um, So, yeah, we... And I wouldn't even necessarily say that we've broken up because uh, Cole and Zach talk about, you know, wanting to record more songs eventually down the line. Okay. But it's just going to be a lot more tough for us now that I'm also going to be in a different state now, (laughs) too. So, all three of us being in all three different states... We'll see if it actually happens, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, we'll see. But uh, um, I wouldn't even necessarily say that we broke up. We just all, you know, Cole, I think Cole was leaving was kind of the, the the point for us. But we had just sort of slowed down with the gigging and it just wasn't a priority to right. us musically at the, at, at the time, you know? And me as a writer, I'm kind of just moving away from writing such heavy dark stuff you know what i mean especially now that i'm you know in a relationship i'm happy in you know it's like i don't have so much like angry everything inside of me you know it's like oh things are good and life is happy and okay now what do i write about you know (laughs) well on that note we're gonna take a break and uh, we'll be right back with more after the encore remember when we drove Smoked your cigarette with the window down The lights and airplanes were passing us by You put on some nickel creek And I closed my eyes and I couldn't speak I just felt the running of wind in my You're listening to After the Encore. I am Joe Shaw, and I'm here with Ansley, and we just learned why Panic Volcanic split didn't split. Yeah. Ha- you're you're yeah. gone away back together and gone away back together. Well, no, I, no, I guess kidding. we're just leaving the door open to, yeah. to, to the future, you know? Sure. It's kind of like the bands that we love, like the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs mm-hmm. and the Dead Weather. You know, they, they're bands who they'll put something out, and then all the members will go do other projects, and then they'll put something out a few years later. That's true. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, that's a good point. So it's like... We don't necessarily feel like we have to be tied to like forever being, you know, sure. like together all the, you know, it's like, we'll we'll come back together maybe someday and do some more stuff. We're not closing that door off necessarily, right. but uh, right now we're all just, we're, we got different things we're yeah. doing. You know? I think that's healthy though, because a lot of times when bands are not together anymore, it's usually for more of a contentious reason. Like yeah. maybe somebody split and, or there was an argument. And so mm-hmm. the door is kind of permanently closed. Yeah. Whereas it's like, no, we're stepping away for now to pursue other creative projects for mm-hmm. one reason or another, but we're still committed to the idea of Panic Volcanic, yeah. the band in yeah. general, and we're not opposed to coming back together on a project later on down the road. Yeah. I think mean, that's good. Yeah. You know, we, yeah, we're glad to leave the door open and we just, it's, we're too attached to it to say like, this is the end. Right. <laughs> Probably all right. of us, you yeah. know, yeah. even, even when the day comes where it will be the last time we make something, you know, whether that's past or future, you mm-hmm. know, uh, 
we're still all going to be, you know, members of Panic. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yep. we'll probably never have a falling out, the three of us. We right. just don't argue, really, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <clears throat> I don't know. You know, maybe it'll happen, maybe not. But, um, you know, the door's never, ne- you know, all the way shut for that, probably. Right. So. Well, now that we're talking about kind of a lot of different, uh, a lot of different topics, I do really want to lean into your latest release. Yay. Your solo album, Ritual, mm-hmm. from last Rituals. year. Rituals. Uh-huh, Rituals. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Rituals. All of them. Yes. So talk me through, uh, what does naming the record Rituals mean for you, or meant to you? So, um, I w- well, I just started kind of thinking about all these all these kind of ritualistic things we sort of do in our lives. Mm-hmm. Like um, even just day to day things like wake up, take a shower, wash your face, brush your teeth, you know, you know, you have your morning ritual, sure. right? You might right. say, yep. well, I think about rituals as far as like uh, religious rituals go mm-hmm. are very interesting to me, you know, yeah. um, and kind of like witchy sort of rituals are highly interesting, you know, to me. So I was just kind of thinking about all the different rituals in our life and, you know, the ritual of drug and alcohol abuse right, too, right, you know, as we were talking about a second mm-hmm. ago, yeah. yeah. And of course on this record, there's, uh, you know, definitely a few songs that, you know, bl- you know, talk about my, my struggle, you know, pretty openly, you know what I mean? Even right. though my struggle hasn't nearly been as crazy as some people's, sure, you know, but still, yeah, but still, you know, yeah. Sometimes, you know, you look down and realize, oh, I'm kind of tipsy. Maybe I should, like, not right. have done that, you know. Right, yeah, You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. That I kind of thing. Mean, yeah. But, um, yeah, rituals, just sort of thinking about all the phases of life. And um, especially for me, learning how having a ritual, having uh, a schedule, sort of morning routine uh, helped me really stabilize my life and, right. and give myself some structure. Yeah. Um, and how much that really helped me. So even though, you know, the like lighting the candles, then doing the dishes is kind of like a ritualistic sort of thing to do every day. It also like, you know, those types of small rituals throughout the day helped me become a way better person, you know, more sure. organized and more hardworking and, you know, everything. It's really grounding you. Yeah. 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 I yeah. think, I think what I'm getting at is it's, I think these rituals that we create for ourselves, our own individual selves are a way of grounding us to our immediate world and also the world around us mm-hmm, too. It's finding mm-hmm. our place by creating these rituals that yeah. help bring us back to base, back yeah. to zero. And I kind of think about um, how maybe if we're able to take really boring, normal everyday rituals that mm-hmm. we do and turn them into spiritual ones just mm-hmm. by fact of the way that they are ritualistic, you know, and we can kind of come back to them day after day and use it as a time to, you know, be mindful or, you know, think about what you've got going on, you know, or whatever. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, you, you know, using them more than just, you know, to complete a task, but as s- sort of a way of, yeah, rit- ritual in your life, you know, yeah. does that make sense? Yes. No, it makes perfect sense. And I, I, I love that that's how you put it because for me, what I what I'm currently discovering is that there is a lot of spiritual aspects in my life, right? And it's not a religious aspect necessarily, but it's a way of what I'm noticing is there are a lot of ways in which I connect spiritually with the world around me, mm-hmm. with nature, with with uh, you know people. Yeah, uh, gardening is a yeah. great sort of spiritual meets right meets habit. You yeah, know? and you're really like physically connecting mm-hmm. with the world. Yes, you know, and 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 I think uh, how do I want to frame this? I think by finding our way and and how we fit into the world directly and then indirectly 
allows us to feel as if we're adding value Mm -hmm. to said world yeah sure even you know i like the gardening example especially because you can watch you watch what you plant grow you know you literally see the fruits of your efforts literally on a vine in front of you right you know what i mean (laughs) so um yeah i just think that you know um when i was facing a period of sort of depression not knowing what i really wanted to do not having any concrete sort of goals or vision for my life or any kind of path or anything like that it was starting to just give myself daily rituals that kind of was able to sort of lift me out right. of that in a yeah. way. Um, just because I was, you know, um, it, like I said, it gave some structure to my life instead of, you know, uh, being depressed, which is laying in bed all day and not doing anything, watching right. TV. And then you realize, oh, it's eight o'clock at night. Um, well, there goes the whole day. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, for, yeah, for me, the rituals were able, you know, were, were my way of kind of stopping stopping that mental health cycle and starting a fresh one you yes. know what i mean yes yeah. yes now with the songwriting aspect did you for panic volcanic did you write most of the songs or was it more of a collaborative effort so i would say that we you know uh cole would write the drum parts and zach would write most of the bass parts and mm-hmm. i would write most of the vocals and that's you know we all sort of had our own parts sure we would occasionally like one of us would write a whole song like all the parts you know mm-hmm. or whatever with the Ansley stuff, I'm writing, you know, these songs are being written as either piano or ukulele or guitar songs. Although guitar is the really rare one. I only have <laughs> written one or two or three songs on the guitar in my whole life. I'm not very good at that instrument. Um, <laughs> but, you know, uh, the the songwriting is based around the those instruments, yeah. you know, and me trying to, you know, write progressions sure more, you know more than just thinking about okay what's the coolest vocal layer i can add on top of this thing that's already right you know kind of been constructed by my bandmates right um so i write most of that but um you know i'll have my bandmates uh when we're in the studio kind of help me come up with you know the cool riffs that we add and you know add up ending and end up adding into everything yeah and um, you know, Eric Webb is my, is my rhythm guitar player. He plays okay. lead sometimes, um, too, but he and I will spend a lot of time working on riffs or sure. harmonies and things like that. So right. we, we collaboratively bounce off each other a whole lot. We've worked together for a few years now. Okay. Um, and, but I mean, it's much more focused on the themes, you know, not necessarily like hearing a piece of music and deciding what the lyrics should be for it. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. what kind of vibe it is, you know, how does it sound? you know, what kind of theme does this song sound like instead, you know, having written poems or, you know, thinking of a little melody in my head and kind right. of writing songs around, around those ideas. So, um, I don't know, but I have a lot more creative ways that I write songs, you know, solo style. And I think that's probably why I wanted to do something separate from panic is mm-hmm. because I knew that these per- chord progressions and these things, the way that I was wanting to write was just not going to fit. And sure. In the, you know, right. Yeah. Into in what the identity panic does. Of panic. Right. Right. You know, it just doesn't make sense. It's not the destroyer. You right. Know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> yes. Just, yes. You know, it's okay. It's, it's what Ansley. it is. It's yeah, not exactly. The destroyer. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, I, when I was in junior high and stuff and like the real formative years, I was listening to like a lot of indie rock and indie pop, you know, death cab for cutie mm-hmm. and like, um, you know, pretty folk like iron and wine, yep. you know, yep. and I wanted to write pretty songs, you know, so there was yes. still a part of me that wants to write beautiful songs that make people freaking cry. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and just in panic, it's more like we're going to, 
write songs that are going to just blow your brains out of your butt. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a totally different, totally different thing. So, um, yeah, I wanted to have an avenue where I can write heartfelt, um, you know, songs that move people in a, in a different way than right. really panic can, you know right. what I mean? Now I know that in this fourth weekly piece about your album, you talked about the fact that, uh, you were in a relationship previously mm-hmm. that was pretty restrictive. That kind of caused you to shut down and not tap into that songwriting aspect. Can you speak yeah. a little bit more about that? Yeah. So that was, um, you know, at the tail end of, of, you know, Panic Volcanic's really active time, um, 2016, 2017. Um, yeah, I was dating this guy and basically his deal was that he was super paranoid that I was cheating on him and every Mm. single day I would come home and he would berate me or question me or like, Mm. you know, and it was like, eventually you get to the point where you're, you know, if you're being questioned that much like that, that you start to shut off things in your life because you don't, you know, want to give him reason to believe that something might be going right. So, you know, you shut off your friends because he starts accusing all of your guy friends of having done something with you, even though it would never happen, you know? Right. Yeah. And then, you know, even he'll start, you know, started accusing the girls and, you know, then he would start going through my journals Mm. and trying to see if I was writing about him or about somebody else, you know? And so even he would come across stuff that was like, six years old and be like, this is new. I haven't seen this before. What is this about? You know? And it's just like, after that amount of like somebody berating you for something that doesn't exist after a while, you just kind of shut off, you know? And like, I just basically, you know, was trapped in my house trying to give him no reason to believe that I was doing anything wrong. You know what I mean? And, and, that, so, and that goes back into the, like, like you were talking about, about, you know, staying in bed all day and then, mm-hmm. oh, now it's eight o'clock at night and right. really getting sucked out of rituals right. as a, as a defense mechanism. Yeah. So that way this other person who's very insecure doesn't have reason to doubt you. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So instead of, you know, this person whose confidence was lower than mine starting mm-hmm. out, me being able to lift him up, you know, and encourage him like you do in healthy relationships. He right. was just able to chip away at me until I was, you know, right. less confident than he was, you know, right. and he was able to kind of control me and manipulate me in that way. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I wasn't able to write because he was going through my journals and like yeah. going through my stuff, you know, going through my phone, things like that. Uh, really invasive, you know? And yeah. so, um, I just stopped worrying about it and stopped writing because I didn't want to upset him. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we broke up and it was, you know, um, it takes me a little while to be able to like kind of process events and then write about them. Sure. And then the songs come to fruition. So right. a lot of these songs, you know, a couple of these songs are about, about that relationship or about sort of the, after effects of that relationship yep. for me, right. you know, like working through yeah, the yeah. situation, right? And like so, we talked about earlier. Yeah, the rituals being the thing that kind of helped me reestablish my own self, you yeah. know what I mean? After really after going through something like that. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, yeah, some of these songs are kind of um looking at the hard time, you know, in that in that middle ground when we we had broken up, he was going through really serious you know, mental health stuff that mm. he you know, and he was just not taking care of himself and I couldn't do it anymore, you know, eventually. Yeah. And actually, he ended up cheating on me, hilariously. Yeah. Usually, it, when someone yeah. is worried about the thing, it's because they're doing the thing or right. they're thinking about it or whatever. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, that was the grand irony. And, you know, it was, you know that was the end. Yep. So um, it took me, you know, a little while to get back to normal, you know, and have a, like, n- normal brain and mindset and... um yeah, those rituals were the thing that kind of helped me start having a, a process of just getting out of the bed every day. You right. know what I mean? And yeah. doing life instead of yeah. hiding from it all, you know? Right. So talk me through the decision to have Lucky Smoke be the 
the I guess the single that yeah, you the dropped single. off of it. Yeah, we had a really hard time. You know, we <laughs> the band talked about it because we honestly felt like most of the songs on on there could have at least had the potential of being single. Yep. Um, we thought about Lighthouse. You know, I, we thought I about lo- Come Alive. I love the opening track. Thank you. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Um, it, it just it. The, it's great. The, you know, the hook is oh. mm-hmm, that that big climb up. You know, so bum bum bum. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we love it, yep. and uh, that's one that Eric and I really collaborated on yep. and, and really formed together. You know, yes, um, yeah. So we had a really hard time. Uh, we thought about Catholic Accident being the single because it's kind of the most upbeat and dancey. That is a really good one. Yes. You know, yeah. Um, we we had a hard time, but ultimately, Lucky Smoke. We thought all of the elements were there: the storytelling elements, kind of introducing me as an artist. That yeah, that would be would sort agree. of the best mm-hmm. one. You know. Um, you know, the one that probably is the most like heartbreaking on the record and the most honest and the most real is how to be alone, you know? Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, I see that. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> that's the one that's, you know, usually makes everybody cry. They say, <laughs> oh, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> <Whatever>. <laughs> I don't want to make people cry. But. No, no, no. Um, but at but, the same yeah. time, it's nice having people connect with your music in a yeah. very different way than previous iterations yes. of songs you had been yeah. performing. Exactly. Like, it was a whole new way for me to um, approach music from an emotional standpoint. You right. know what I mean? It wasn't all like, you know, you mess with me, I'll mess you up. It was more like, you mess with me and I'm... Uh, look what happened to me. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, but I'm kind of getting past my phase of writing like sad bastard songs, I guess, so much, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like th- we had the breakup album, you know, and, and some of these songs are still kind of happy songs, you know? Yeah. Like Grow is about the beginning of a relationship, right. you know, kind of looking at like, you know, hey, we've got feelings for each other. Maybe this is going to become something, but, you know, I've kind of been here before, right. you know, and it grows and it grows, you yeah, know, like, yeah. you know, what is it going to grow into? Nobody really knows, you know, right. um, and then 1988 is kind of is a weird um, love song that I sort of wrote from the perspective of like um, an angel. Like oh, kind okay. of watching over this like hear beautiful person being born, basically. Right. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, uh sort of knowing that their presence is going to change the world even that just as they're born, you know. Yeah. So, um yeah, and then yeah, Lucky Smoke is kind of is all about giving up on all these supposed things are supposed to bring us luck to or bring us love, right. you know. Yeah. Um and just kind of like looking looking back and saying you know when i was young i thought i was going to find my place you know if that finally sings and you know learning it just doesn't quite work out that way you know so i'm giving up on all these things i was supposed to rely on to find it you know so what does the future look like for ansley Mm. well um this new song that we got coming out is kind of a little more 80s okay i discovered peter gabriel in like the middle or maybe maybe the very yeah, I'm about the middle of 2018 mm-hmm. and have been very obsessed ever since I got my hands on um, yeah Peter Gabriel's So record. Um, and so we're incorporating a little more electronic elements okay. and it's a little more upbeat, you know. Yeah. Um, the singing style is, you know, it's still me. It's still super right. obviously me, but trying to add some more sort of textural elements in there. Mm. You know, in Panic Volcanic, it was just like, sing big all the freaking time. Right. With rituals, it was like, let's explore what it's like to pull back a little bit. Mm -hmm. With this new stuff, it's like, okay, how can we take that to the third level and like really start experimenting with your tone? You know, thinking really wide, you know, trying to be really smart about the way 
I deliver every line. You sure. know what I mean? Yes. So that everything yeah. is as impactful as it can be. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. And that's just part of the linear growth of a singer you know what i mean yeah. like especially being in the studio you know it's like if, at the beginning you're just like holy crap i did it like yeah. that's a i can't believe i did it you right. know <laughs> yeah and then you knock out harmonies and you're like wow that's super fun and then you start you know developing your sound over time and learning yeah. how to control your voice to the point where you can really do some really fun stuff with it you yeah, know? A yeah really nuanced yes uh, yeah and textured and and very layered and I'm, yeah you I'm know excited do you want to you want to have like kind of a breathy kind of creepy like sort of like this you know your hair standing up kind of a sound sure. or like you know i don't know i just think there that there's um a lot to be explored there so um i'm enjoying writing that kind of stuff right now i'm trying to write basically just upbeat stuff because i've sure. written so much down tempo sad stuff i'm right. just kind of trying to exercise myself songwriting yeah, wise and absolutely. writing new new types of things and flex that muscle a little yeah bit, a yeah way. yeah well and like i said now now i'm in a great relationship you know with with chase we've been together almost a year now actually we met a year ago today wow yeah isn't wow. that precious yeah and so <laughs> thank you for being here oh, no. <laughs> i know <laughs> sorry well chase. it wasn't our it's not our anniversary. We just, sure. we met a year ago. Right, you know, right, right. Okay. Like popped gotcha, up gotcha. on my Facebook right. friendversary thing. Nice, 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 nice. <laughs> uh, but it's like now, you know, it used to be writing about my friend's struggles, you know. Right. Which kind of are my own, just, you know, secondhand in a way. Right. Um, or about my struggles in relationships, you know. Mm -hmm. But now I don't really have any struggles in my relationship. But so that's good. You know, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Right. Um, and, uh, I remember when I was a kid, you know, my friend Grant Bloom, who's also a great musician, he lives in Boston now. He told me, Ansley, I, I would wish you all the happiness in the world, but I think it would be detrimental to your career, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it's kind of this battle that we fight as musicians, as yeah. artists that, you know, uh, we kind of feel like we're bound to just be hurting all the time. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but now I'm at a place where I'm not, you know, and so having, you know, I'm learning how to write about other things other than heartache, you know right. what I mean? Or yes. the struggle of relationships. So right. that's a new sort of avenue for me because I'm so used to writing about my own personal experiences and relationships, you know, right. that now like, uh, you know, writing a really great love song is way harder than writing a song about heartbreak. Sure. You know? Yeah. <laughs> way harder. I believe it. Like, I mean, I mean, how many happy songs in the world in general do you think like, oh my God, what a great song. Like, I, I love that song. You know, like, yeah. Pharrell's happy. Nobody likes, you know, like, it is a good song. Right. And every, you know, it's like, it's good to hear it. But no one's like, oh, that's my favorite song. It touches you know? me on Yeah, such a it moves me. Level. You know, it's like, it's way harder. Yeah. You know. Because so. people gravitate towards songs, songs like John Mayer's Gravity and these, like, really deep, like, pull at your core. Yeah. Emotional, really emotional, emotional core. Not like your abs, but like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> your emotional core songs. And that are very like, ooh, I'm crying. Yeah, all your or feelings, I, you right. know. Yeah, I'm connecting in that yeah. way, you know. So we're, we, you know, we're in a new phase of Ansley's writing because um, I'm just writing about all different kinds of stuff right now, I like you it. know. Yeah. It's very um, cool. Trying to draw inspiration from other people's stories instead of just my own, sure. you know. Um, even like just trying to be inspired by the things like, I'm watching on TV and stuff like that, right. you know, <laughs> like, yeah, I don't no, know, I like you know, like trying to, trying to take stories and make them interesting, but also maybe, um, vague enough that people can connect with them mm. in their own lives. Mm. If that makes sense. Yes, it does. Yeah. Um, like 
so that's my sort of um goal and intent i guess as a songwriter right now yeah um and you know i I am also a music theory nerd, so sometimes I get caught up in trying to overcomplicate a song or, like, oh, make sure. it really interesting or, like, you know, not just your, like, three-chord, four-chord right. songs, you right. know what I mean? Yep. Trying to kind of go beyond that and be a better musician than that, you know what I mean? But sometimes right. you just need to write a dang catchy song, you yeah. know what I mean? And sometimes those songs have only four chords in them, you know? So trying to yeah. kind of toe that line between right. like writing interesting material, but also stuff that people connect with and stuff that's, you know, can't, that stuff that can hit, you know yeah. what I mean? Sometimes uh, we don't always need Ave Maria. Sometimes we need all the small things. Right, exactly. You know? Yes, I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that song is a major hit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they did something right. Yeah, they did. So as we're starting to wrap up, I do want to ask you, is there one piece of advice you would give to someone who may be starting out or might be looking up to you? Or what is some kind of general life advice that you like to give out or, or that you apply to yourself? Mm. Okay. Um, my first big one is really just um, ask for help. You know, go out, meet people in your scene, go to the shows you know, um, buy, buy your, buy people's records, tell people you're listening, pay attention, make friends. Like that will inevitably lead you to, you know, somebody who writes for the paper or somebody who does this photography or something, you know, but that networking, that getting to know people around you in your scene is crucial to being able to deeply, you know, embed yourself within that scene, right. you know? Um, so that's the big piece of advice I would say. And, and, you know, it's just, you know, make a lot of friends and then, ask for help from people. You know what I mean? People are a lot more willing to help you succeed than you might think, you know, yeah. it's as simple as, you know, if you know, if you know a writer, you know, just re reaching out to them and saying, Hey, we just released this record. Maybe, you know, we would love a review, you know, mm -hmm. and it's just as simple as just reaching out. Cause what's the worst can happen? They don't email you back. Okay. Yeah. Big deal. Right. You're okay. in the exact same spot you were right. before. Yep. Yeah. So, um, my, my advice is for people to take the shot and, you know, try to reach out and ask for help. And, you know, um, you can't, you can't have a music career all by yourself. You right. need the help of other people to yeah. get there. So building that team and building your community around you, um, is just as important as writing the songs and, and making the art. Very nice. Well, if people want to follow you and see what you're up to, what's the best way for them to do that? So I'm on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff. My handle is at Ansley TX music. Right on. Um, and, uh, A is A N S L E Y. Yes. yes. T X music. That's yes. right. There we go. Um, and I'm also on Spotify and Apple music and basically everywhere. All YouTube, places. all the places. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just Very look nice. up Ansley rituals. You'll come across it. We've got a new single we're dropping here June 17th. Um, that's going to be our, you know, that's, that's the newest song. And my producer says it's his favorite of mine so far. So that's a good sign. That is a good sign. It's more a beat kind of eighties, but kind of spacey and still kind of got a creepy little edge Ooh, to it i, like I think it. it's cool um I'm, lo I'm looking forward to everybody's reaction to that to that song coming out very nice well ansley thank you so much uh listeners you have been listening to after the encore i'm joe shaw and here to play us out is ansley Far behind
This podcast is powered by Roberts Media Group, your resource for podcast development. For more programming and advertising opportunities, please visit us at robertsmediagroup.co.